Oh, good morning. Um, it would be a great help to me and also, I think, to you um, if you could have the passage open in front of you. So do you turn to Judges 16? And then as I start, let me just pray for us as we begin now. Lord God, we thank you that you teach us from every part of the Bible and we thank you for this opportunity to meet as a church family today. We pray that you would make each of us ready to learn and be changed by you this morning. And may the words that I say be used by you, uh, Lord, to achieve your ends. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know whether you've heard of a guy called Donald Trump. He's an American businessman, author, and television celebrity who is, somewhat, who is also somewhat famous for his over-the-top and arrogant claims. Uh, you may have heard of him as the host of the American show The Apprentice. Donald Trump, known by many as The Donald, had been planning to run for U.S. president in 2012. But in 2011, he bowed out, um, and Trump stated he would not run, uh, but proclaimed, I maintain the strong conviction that if I were to run, I would be able to win uh, not just the primary, but ultimately the general election as well. And this is just one of many incidents in which he uh, shows something of his true character. And Samson is a bit like this as well. He is confident in his strength and the power that that gives him, uh, confident to the point of arrogance. In the chapters we looked at last week, uh, we saw that God had intended Samson to be set apart from birth as someone special, someone who would deliver Israel. Yet, as we saw, he married a non-Jew from his people's enemies. He killed a lion, and then bizarrely went back and ate honey from inside it. Um, he, his, he destroyed the crops of his wife's people, the Philistines. His wife and, fa- his wife and f- her father were then killed before Samson went and took revenge by killing a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. Samson has certainly had quite an illustrious life so far, but as we will see, Samson's not quite finished yet. As we saw in chapter 13, uh, Samson was chosen as a Nazarite from birth, which meant that as well as keeping the Israelite law, he should have done three extra things as well. He should have abstained from alcohol, he should have not had contact with anything that was dead, and he should not have had his hair cut. Yet Samson seems to ignore these completely, We see not only is he in the presence of something dead, so the lion he killed, but he chooses a wife from among the Philistines and thereby breaking the Israelite law on marriage. But more than these transgressions, we see that he seems to spare no thought to the two things for which God has chosen him. So you might want to flick back a couple of chapters to chapter 13, verse 5. Um, where we see halfway through that verse, um, we see uh, that Samson was chosen, well, it says in that verse, the boy, Samson, is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. God 
has chosen Samson to be both set apart for God and to be deliverer for the Israelites. Uh, You see, at this point, um, Samson, who belonged to the nation of Israel, um, the nation of Israel had been defeated by the Philistines uh, a little while ago, and so they were being ruled by that nation. Um, Yet Samson seems to live ignoring uh, this commission for him to be deliverer. And as we see, uh, despite Samson's obvious and deliberate breaking of the Nazarite and Jewish law um, throughout his life so far, uh, we see at the beginning of our passage today that God, in his mercy, has allowed Samson uh, to keep his strength. It was not taken away from him, not yet anyway. But rather than this humbling Samson, rather than thanking God, rather than... um, being shocked by God's mercy in the face of his rebellion, Samson uses his strength not to save Israel, not to serve God, but for his own ends. I mean, really, the accounts of Samson's life are in many ways ridiculous. Samson is sure that he has been given this gift of strength and that nothing can happen to change that. Uh, We see this at the beginning of chapter 16, Samson goes to Philistine to sleep with a prostitute. He goes to enemy territory, having no apparent fear of his enemy, being secure in his strength. We see that in the middle of the night, he doesn't just sneak away, saving himself, but he looks to embarrass his enemy and at the same time show Israel that they shouldn't mess with him. You may remember in chapter 15 that the Israelites had been the ones that had tied Samson up and handed him over to the Philistines. So he wanted to get back at them. So we see in verse 3, he picks up the entire city gate and carries it to a hill, Hebron. Hebron overlooks um, uh, Judah, which is in the south of Israel. And let's be clear here, that walk from Gaza to Hebron is about 38 miles and required an ascent of a few thousand feet. And this act that Samson does has no practical purpose. It is purely Samson saying, look how great I am. Look what I can do. To the Philistines, he's showing them, look, I was in the heart. I was in the center of your territory. And yet, look, I took your city gate and I put it here. To the Israelites, he's showing them his strength, uh, maybe partly as a warning that they shouldn't mess with him. Partly, I think, to show them that though they might fear their overlords, the Philistines, Samson, Samson the Great, does not. And his confidence and arrogance sort of continues with the story of Delilah, It is likely that Delilah is another non-Jewish woman. They are certainly unlikely to be married. Yet despite his sin in this way, he is still sure that God will not judge him for his rebellion. And eventually, as we see, Samson even tells Delilah the other condition of his strength. Although he must know that his strength is not due to his obedience to the Nazarite rules, I mean, he's broken so many of them up till now. And we see this particularly in verse 20. So his hair has been cut, but Samson still says, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. 
Despite the fact that Samson knows his hair has been cut, he still believes he can escape as he has done before. And there's no way there he didn't realize that his hair had been cut. If he really thought that the secret to his strength was due to his hair, he would have known he was defeated. But still, he is confident in his ability. Take it from me, I've once had quite a portion of my hair cut off in one go. He knew, he knew, and yet he was still sure, I can escape just like I did before. He still thought that there would be no serious consequences for his disobedience. Maybe he thought he was blessed because he was just so great. Maybe he thought God just loves me so much it doesn't matter. He felt entitled, he felt sure, he was arrogant. He wanted the world to look at him and respect him for his strength and his ability to take revenge on those who had done him wrong. But Samson's strength was God's gift. And when Samson continually disobeyed God, eventually he took it away. And we need to heed the warning here. God's gifts, uh, whatever that might be, strength, intelligence, physical prowess, maths, the arts, and a whole host of others. God's gifts are not ours by right. They are not ours because of some deep-seated worth that we have, as if God owes us this blessing or gift. No, the gifts that God gives us are always and only given as gifts to those who don't deserve God's graciousness. God has the right to give or take away as he decides. The right response to God's gifts is always recognition of God as giver, thanksgiving to him, and the use of those gifts to serve God and build up the church. We should use the gifts God has given us. We should use them to the very best of our ability but for his glory, to serve his church, to serve his world. And when we look around at all the things that have been made, maybe when we look at the Hong Kong skyline or when we're playing with our latest gadget, maybe a new phone, we should praise God that he has given gifts which enable such things to be created. But you see, there's another danger here too. You see, if we are sure that our gifts are something we are entitled to, if we don't recognize that they are from God, then we will tend to use them to achieve our own purposes. That's what Samson does. He is arrogant in his his strength, and so he uses his strength to achieve his own ends, uh, which in Samson's case is mainly getting revenge on people. I wonder if we were honest with ourselves, in what ways we do the same things? In what ways do we use the gifts God gives us for our purposes, uh, rather than seeing how we can use those gifts um, to serve God, to serve the church, and to serve the world? Or maybe we fall into the trap of using our gifts as a bargain with God, You see, if we forget that our talents are gifts from God, then we can fall into the trap of doing good either to pay God back somehow for our salvation or by doing good in a way, in an attempt to guarantee God's favor in the future. 
Surely God wouldn't do something bad to me if I um, do so much good for him now. Either way, it's a scheme deemed to fail. The gifts that have been given are gifts from our creator. And so our ability to use these gifts are just one other sign of God's graciousness to us. But going back to our passage, we see God's strength from Samson uh, was removed eventually, and he goes into captivity. I don't know whether you noticed when the passage was read, but interestingly, there is one group of people who do praise God in this passage. But it is not the true God that is praised, and it is not God's chosen people that are praising No, it is the Philistines who are praising their God. You see, back in chapter 15, we have another of Samson's infamous acts of revenge. He ties flaming torches, uh, basically sticks on fire, to foxes and then sets them loose in the grain in the harvest fields. He really was quite imaginative in his cruelty. But the Philistine God, uh, as we see, was called Dagon. And the word Dagon is linked to uh, vegetation. And so it is likely that Dagon was some sort of a grain god of the Philistines. Therefore, when they managed to capture Samson, uh, the one who destroyed the grain, they attribute that to the acts of their god, and so they praise their god. Uh, We see that there in verse 24. Uh, When the people saw him, they praised their god, saying... Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. This faith in their God is in sharp contrast to Samson's arrogance. But we soon see that Yahweh, the covenantal name for the God of the Bible, will have no rivals. He is not one God among many, but the God. And so in the second half of the passage, we see God's judgment falling on the Philistines. It is because Yahweh will brook no rival. It is because God will not be unfaithful to his promises that God will not let his purposes for Samson be denied. Despite the fact that Samson has done everything possible to show that he is not faithful to God. God still uses him to achieve his aims. You see, Samson does end up saving Israel, but only through his death. In 13 verse 5, we heard that Samson was always meant to be the deliverer of Israel. Yet Samson has lived his whole life preoccupied with his own agenda, spending time with women and getting revenge when he deems that someone has acted unjustly towards him. Despite this rather bleak history of Samson, we see that at the end, during his captivity, he has finally learnt that his gift was won from God. We see in his prayer that he looks to God to give him back that strength once more. So if we look down in verse 28, Oh God, please strengthen me once more. But do you see... He still is looking to use that gift for his own benefit. He's not looking to save Israel. He's not looking to fulfill his purpose or mission that God gave him. 
He is still most concerned with his own agenda. He is looking for revenge. Let me with one blow get revenge. There is a sense of irony in the way Samson's life ends. You see, Samson's strength, which is returned to him in the end, as we see, is sufficient to bring about God's purposes to deliver Israel. But it is not sufficient to save himself. Through his death, he achieves deliverance for Israel. He kills many of the leaders of the Philistines, which began the physical deliverance of Israel from the Philistines. But maybe as importantly, the destruction of the temple of Dagon was a mighty blow to the Philistines and was also a clear sign to the Israelites that they should not worship these powerless foreign gods. You see, the dwelling place, the temple of any god, um, the dwelling place of any god was in the temple. So if the temple was destroyed, everyone would ask, how powerful can this god be if he could not protect his dwelling place? So the destruction of the temple was a real blow to the Philistines. This imperfect savior of Samson then is a shadow of Christ. Yes, in many ways, Samson is the opposite of Jesus. Uh, Samson's arrogance, his obsession with revenge, his self-seeking nature are nothing like Christ. But the achievement of salvation through his death does point to the ultimate sacrifice of Christ, who by death achieved a real, permanent and eternal salvation uh, for his people. Yet Samson, as an imperfect saviour, is also a reminder to us that the human judges were not sufficient as saviours. We needed someone greater. And so as people living this side of the cross, uh, we look back to Jesus and see that he is the perfect one, that Samson was just an imperfect shadow of. But not just Samson, actually. Soon, the Israelite people will demand a king, and so God will raise up human kings, some of which will do a good job, some, of which, some will do less well. Yet all will fall short, and ultimately the world waited, needing a saviour. But no one truly delivers until Christ comes. And in one sense, we still wait today, not for our deliverer's first coming, but for his second, when he will come and all evil will be judged, all death and sickness removed, our creation redeemed and restored, and we will be at rest with our Lord and God. Let me just pray for us as I close.